Girlfriends, episode number 120. Fake it till you make it. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about faking it till you make it and why I think this is a useful strategy for four different areas of your life. I can't wait. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so glad you're here with me in another beautiful week, another time that we get to share together. I hope you're doing well. I hope you had an amazing weekend. Our kids just got off of uh, spring break, so they're back at school this morning, back to routine. Feels pretty good. And now we're ready to finish out the year, which is great. I'm so excited for my big kids. Um, two of my girls are graduating this year. It's big, you know, um, one from college, one from high school and big changes ahead, exciting times for them. And um, it's such a joy for me. I was reflecting on this with another friend who has older kids. Such a joy for me at this stage in my life to watch my kids growing older and really just kind of enjoy that sitting back and um, watching what they do and being proud of their accomplishments and sharing in them together. I, it's a very different stage of life for me. And um, as we've shared before here on the podcast, there are a lot of hard things that come with that change. It's difficult. It can be a great loss. In fact, I, I felt it just this past weekend. We took a trip, um, some part, part of the family. It's really hard for all of us to go anywhere together anymore because of people's work schedules and whatnot. And of course, my two biggest boys aren't even home. But um, a group of us made a trip this weekend and we stayed overnight in a hotel. And um, when we were coming into the hotel, we were like in the elevator and I noticed some of my kids had grabbed some cookies in the lobby. You know how hotels do that. And I mean, it was fine. But I had this immediate thought um, that, you know, Ambrose, my, my son who's away at Ave Maria University, he has cystic fibrosis. We've talked about this on the show before. And all the time growing up, you know, all the time as a family, we always were very concerned about does Ambrose have his meds because he needs them every time he eats, um, especially if he's going to eat something that has fat in it, like a cookie. And so my immediate thought upon seeing that children were eating cookies that I wasn't aware of was, does Ambrose have his enzymes? <laughs> and it was sad to me. It was so sad in that moment. Like I went to tell my kids I had that, that funny thought and like, you know, he's been away at school for months. Like, uh, of course, we don't need to worry about that. And he's at a stage in his life now where he doesn't need me to be worrying about that. It, you know, he takes care of himself. Um, but I guess all of that just hit me all at once. And as I'm trying to tell the kids, <laughs> this is so terrible. I'm like trying to tell the kids that I had this funny thought, like out of the blue, like thinking about Ambrose. And I just burst into tears. Like, <laughs> And it really, it wasn't so much about the fact that Ambrose wasn't with us. I mean, you know, of course we miss him, um, but it wasn't about that in the moment. The kids were like, come on, mom, he's going to be home in a week and a half. But that really wasn't it. It was really more a recognition of the fact uh, that our family life has changed and that dynamic has shifted and we're not going back to that. And it's a loss. It's okay to appreciate that that's a loss and that it hurts and it's painful in some ways. But I have been, <laughs> except for that one moment of weakness, more focused on the positive things and super excited 
for all the wonderful things my kids are doing, even my my younger kids, you know, the, the little guys who are not so little anymore are doing great things in sports and in their own schoolwork. And it's a different phase of life, but it's a wonderful phase of life. And I'm, I'm trying my very best to appreciate that. You know, I look back in early motherhood and I see what a joy it was, how how so many things were so wonderful. And I did make a great effort to appreciate it. And I can honestly say that I have appreciated every stage of motherhood. I have loved it. Um, you know, of course, not every minute. <laughs> I don't mean that at all. But uh, there are things that I have truly, genuinely loved and appreciated and taken great joy in, in every stage of motherhood. Um, but I look back to those early years and and sometimes I wonder um, if I you know, because it was so hard, because I was adjusting to so many things, because I was so stressed out about, you know, it's a huge adjustment for any human being to make this adjustment to parenthood. And I, I just wonder if I, I didn't appreciate it enough. So as I'm growing older, and um, I did find that with my last baby, Danny, where I was 37, um, when he was born, and had seven before him, so a little bit of experience that I did mother him very differently. And I did relish and appreciate a lot of those moments in his babyhood that um, I think I was in danger of missing with my oldest ones because it was so hard. I'm not blaming myself. I'm truly not. And if this is something that you're going through right now, I'm not blaming you either. But anyway, just an encouragement and a reminder to take joy in the things that life is presenting you with right now. And yep, it could be very different from what life gave you 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's all good. And um, really just focus on appreciating what you have in whatever stage of family life or um, grandmotherhood even, you know, um, that you're in right now. And um, so I'm doing my best to appreciate those things as well. All right, let's get on to today's topic, which is fake it till you make it. And now you might hear that phrase and be like, fake is bad don't ever be fake, right? Well, I'm not talking about being a fake person. Let me explain what I'm talking about by talking about the first area of your life in which I think faking it till you make it can be a very good and useful strategy. And that's in marriage. Of course, I'm not saying you need to be fake in your marriage, but sometimes you do need to fake it till you make it in your marriage. So I thought of this topic um, specifically with regard to marriage, but then I, I thought of other areas of your life where it can apply um, because I was having a conversation um with my work this past week, we had a fun employee appreciation day with Holy Cross Family Ministries. And as a group, we got to go to Boston and tour Fenway Park and go out for a nice lunch. It really was a wonderful day. And I really appreciated getting to know my work colleagues. You know, I'm still the new kid on the block there. Um, there are some people that I don't know that well. And I appreciated the opportunity to get to know my coworkers a little bit better. Um, and at lunch, the conversation um, turned to the movie A Quiet Place that's out in theaters right now. Um, it's starring John Krasinski, and he directed it as well. You know, Jim from The Office, but he plays a very different role. He's a very... Um, it's it's interesting to see that actor who we know so well through the office um, playing a different role like this. Um, I've seen him in other movies, too, and I, I think he's great. Um, so we were talking about that, and I was the only person who had um, seen the movie. And side note, okay, side note, if you haven't seen the movie A Quiet Place, I'm not going to give you any spoilers here. Um, 
definitely go see it. It is a great movie. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie and I enjoyed it all the more after the movie when I read Bishop Robert Barron's review of it, calling it the most unexpectedly religious film of the year. It really brought out a lot of the themes in it that I I had noticed, but I hadn't thoroughly noticed and appreciated inside of the movie. So definitely, if you have the opportunity to go see A Quiet Place and in the theater. I recommend seeing it in the theater. There are very few movies I feel that way about, but I really felt like it was um, kind of a communal experience watching this together with other people in the theater. I, I, if you've seen it, I'd be very interested in your take on it. Um, I'll link to Bishop Robert Barron's review in the show notes um, in case you're interested. It does contain spoilers, so maybe you don't want to read it before you go see. Um, my daughter Gabby did read it before she went to go see just because she wanted to thoroughly appreciate the movie. And she did. Um, and Gabby's 14. So I, I do think it's good for kids. I would say probably 14 the cutoff. I didn't have Rafe, who's 13, go see it. Um, and not because there's sex or swearing in it, but it's kind of scary. Um, anyway, <laughs> that is my uh, side note um, about the movie. But this, OK, it's back to our conversation. There was a young man that I work with who, when we were talking about the movie, said to me, um, did you know that, uh, you know, John Krasinski is married in real life to Emily Blunt, who's his wife in the movie as well? And he made a comment like, so they didn't, you know, whatever chemistry you saw on screen was real and they didn't have to pretend to like each other because they're married in real life. And I thought that was cute and funny. And then I said, mostly just being funny, you know, <laughs> young man, um, People in real life, in real marriages, have to pretend they like each other sometimes. <laughs> That's a part of real marriage. And, um, you know, but then we talked a little bit more about that. And I thought more about it later. And it's so true, actually. And it's actually a good thing, a good practice to pretend you like each other <laughs> inside of marriage. It sounds bad, but it's not bad. It's a beautiful, charitable, generous thing to do in your married relationship. Um, because it gets really hard sometimes. It truly does. And if you're not willing to fake it till you make it, you're, you're going to walk away. And that's not what marriage is. Marriage is a lifelong commitment. It, it's not like a dating relationship. It's not something that you can just drop when you get tired of it and when it doesn't feel good. And every marriage, if it lasts any length of time, is going to have times that feel like that. And sometimes it has times that feel like that, that you feel like aren't ever going to end. Let me tell you, I've experienced that. And it's not because you married a bad person. It's because you're two flawed human beings. And this is the nature of what the vocation of marriage looks like. It's something you commit yourself to again and again and again. And that's why it's a vow. You know, that's why we take a vow because it's not easy, because sometimes inside of your marriage, you are going to be more faithful to the vow you took than to the person you took the vow with. That's just a fact. And that's okay. That's how it's built. That's how it's made. That's how, that's how marriage works. And, and when I'm saying fake it till you make it, I mean, still remain committed to the other person in your marriage, even inside of those hard times and have habits built into your relationship that are loving. I find that this is really helpful for me with my husband, that we have habits where we take care of each other in different ways. We do little acts of service for each other, just kind of, you know, part of our routine over the years. And 
I find, and I find this so reassuring, that even during times when we're not getting along, even during times where we've just had a really bad argument and I'm feeling miserable about it and angry and resentful, we still have those habits in place and we tend to follow through with them. Like, for example, I make Dan breakfast in the morning and pretty much I do that every single day. And even when I'm not feeling it, even if when I don't have little hearts in my eyes, when I'm looking at my husband, I'm making him breakfast. It's what I do. And it's part of our relationship. And there are things that he does for me that are very similar. And we don't say like, you know, probably early in my marriage, I did do the sort of petty things like, well, I'm mad at him today. So no way I'm making him breakfast. He can get his own breakfast, you know, um, kind of a childish, immature attitude. I, I'm sure I did some of that. But I, you know, it's just part of our routine now that we have these habits and it's faking it till you make it. It's practicing that routine and outwardly um, showing gestures of love and service and uh, generosity to one another when you're not feeling it. And let me tell you, good marriages are made up of exactly that sort of thing where you're able to put the actions and the motions in place of loving the other person, continuing to put the other person first, even when it doesn't feel good. Um, you know, there's a, a great song that I want to recommend to you by the Christian artist, Andrew Peterson. It's called Dancing in the Minefields. If you don't know this song, oh, I'm going to put a link to the YouTube in the show notes. The, the video is beautiful, too. Such a beautiful song about about marriage, about the commitment of marriage. And first of all, he's he's got this beautiful image of dancing in the minefields. That's what going into marriage is like. You have no idea what you're you're stepping into. And there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And yet you're choosing to commit to one another and um, have this relationship with this other person in a minefield, not knowing, you know, stepping out into the unknown together. It's a beautiful image. But there's a line in the song um, that where it says it was harder than we dreamed, but I believe that's what the promise is for talking about marriage and talking specifically about this, those times when you have to fake it till you make it. That's what the promise is for. That's why we take a vow, because sometimes it truly is hard and we don't have the feelings, the magical feelings to, to make it all feel good and feel right. And we have to force ourselves to fake it till we make it in a super positive way. You know, I think that, um, you know, we have this negative idea of what faking it means, but faking it means going through the motions and, and following through on your commitments, even when the feelings aren't there and trusting that they'll come back. Um, so I'll, I'll link to that YouTube in the show notes. And I really recommend that you check it out if you're not familiar with that song, because it's really inspiring. It's really such a beautiful song. And I share it sometimes when I speak about marriage and inevitably people wind up crying when they watch the video, but also coming up to me afterwards and um, asking for the name of that artist. He's got a lot of great music. So I really do recommend Andrew Peterson. But that idea of faking it till you make it. And there's another quote um, that I want to share that's on this same topic about what happens inside of a long-term marriage. Um, it's by Madeline Lengel, uh, the author of A Wrinkle in Time. Um, this is what she once wrote. No long-term marriage is made easily. In the midst of near despair, something has happened beneath the surface. A bright little flashing fish of hope has flicked silver fins and the water is bright. 
and suddenly I am returned to a state of love again. Till next time. I've learned that there will always be a next time and that I will submerge in darkness and misery, but I won't stay submerged. And each time something has been learned under the waters, something has been gained, and a new kind of love has grown. The best I could ask for is that this love, which has been built on countless failures, will continue to grow. I can say no more than that this is a mystery and a gift, and that somehow or other through grace, our failures can be redeemed and blessed. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, it just rings so true for me uh, inside of my own married relationship that there, there are times like that. And she, you know, describes it in this beautiful poetic way about submerging in darkness and misery. That's the part that people don't often enough talk about, I think, inside of marriage, because some of us find ourselves submerged in darkness and misery and feeling like we're the only ones and that there must be something wrong and maybe it's time to walk away. Um, but this long-term love that she's talking about is worth it. And that she's right, there always is a next time. So I want to give you that little encouragement to fake it till you make it. You might be in a great place in your marriage right now, but just tuck this away for when you're not, when you're struggling, uh, because we all do struggle and, and know that too. Okay, so that's the first area of your life where I think faking it till you make it can be extremely useful. So I recommend faking it till you make it in your marriage. Okay, the second area of your life where faking it till you make it can work is in your work. You may work outside of the home. Um, you may work inside of the home. You may do some combination of those two things. Um, or your, your work may be uh, ministry or mission. Your work may be raising your family. Whatever it is that you spend your days doing, whatever kind of work you find yourself doing in your days, it runs the risk of becoming drudgery. We all have that. It happens. And if you're, you know, everyday, long-term getting up in the morning and just dreading whatever work lies ahead of you, then that is something that should be addressed. Um, it's it's not okay to feel that way every single day. You, you should genuinely find purpose and meaning and um, some level of fulfillment in your work. Now, that doesn't mean if you're getting up every morning and working at a factory or something at an assembly line that that needs to be fulfilling to you, but it has to have this is just part of our, our human needs. Um, it has to have some greater meaning to you. Maybe the, the fact that you're doing it for your family or that you enjoy your coworkers or, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, we're not meant to be working every day at um, an occupation or a vocation that feels like absolute misery and drudgery every day. But we all do have those days, even those of us who love our work, um, they all have those days where we're not feeling it, where it is, it does feel like drudgery, or there might be one part of your work that you really dread and you really don't enjoy. Well, um, this is so important to fake it. That means just get started. Just start. And we talked about this a little bit in the recent episode where we talked about procrastination, that oftentimes it's that getting started anyway, that's the hard part, right? And how many times do you do a task and when it's all done, you think that's ridiculous that I was dreading that? Um, I used to do this with changing sheets on beds. I just hated that job. 
I hated it. And, you know, as a homemaker, it was part of my job to change sheets. And when the day came where I was supposed to change sheets, like I would just let that hang over me and I would put it off and whatever. Um, Whereas one time when I went to change sheets in all the bedrooms, I decided to time myself. And uh, it took me like, I think it was 17 minutes. Big stinking deal. I mean, 17 minutes. Are you kidding me? I would let that just hang over me and ruin my whole day (laughs) putting it off. Um, So really, I mean, so, you know, come to terms with those parts of your work that you don't enjoy as much and fake it, fake it through those times and fake it just getting started, you know, Um, just open up your laptop and open up your email and start writing that email that you're putting off or, um, you know, whatever it is inside of your work that you're, you're putting off. Um, other people are, are going to feel it too. If you're, you know, kind of approaching your work, like it's drudgery like that. So fake it. And if you work, um, whether you work in the home with your family or you work in a workplace with coworkers, put a smile on your face because so much about our work is relational. And so much about how we feel about our work has to do with the people around us. And do you want to be that person in your home who's bringing everybody down? Do you want to be that person in the workplace that people are like dreading that you're going to walk in the room because you have such negative energy? Put a smile on your face. Science shows that actually faking a smile, fake smiling puts you in a better mood. It changes your body chemistry. It changes your hormones. It puts you in a good mood. So those times in your life where you're not feeling it, yeah, put put a fake smile on your face. Make yourself smile until you get in the habit of smiling more. I think smiling is one of those things that some people do it more naturally than others, for sure. I'm a smiler. Um, but you can get in either a good habit of smiling, uh, generally smiling, or you can get in a bad habit of never smiling. And maybe it doesn't feel natural. Well, that's where the faking it part comes in. Uh, but then it will feel more natural the more that you do it. And I don't mean like have a plastic grin plastered on your face as you go around. You know, <laughs> we all know that look. Don't don't do that. But work on it. Maybe even work on it when you're alone so you don't feel like a goofball or whatever, but make yourself smile more and that will improve your mood. And you know what? Studies also show that people will rate you as a more attractive person just because you're smiling. Don't you want to be an attractive person to the people around you, to your family in your home or to your coworkers in your workplace? Yeah. So work on that. And that's part of how you can fake it till you make it at your work. And sometimes those giant tasks that you're dreading turn out to not be a big deal. And sometimes you do have to just push yourself through them. Um, But putting a smile on your face and having positive interactions with other people through that drudgery can change completely how you feel about it. So fake it till you make it also in your work. All right. The third area of your life where I think it's useful to fake it till you make it is your spiritual life. Of course, this is um, kind of a reflection or a parallel of what we talked about with regard to marriage. And, you know, we talk about sometimes going through periods of spiritual dryness or whatever you want to call it. We do all go through this, you know, um, we all have times where everything about our faith feels good. We're we're doing a great routine with our prayer life. We're we're 
remembering to thank God and talk to God throughout our days. We just have that relationship that feels so good. And that's wonderful when you have those times in your spiritual life. But we all do in varying degrees have times where it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel great. You're going through the motions. You you have your daily prayer routine and you're not feeling it and you're not feeling, you know, that lovely reassurance of, of God's presence in your life every moment. And sometimes you're actually feeling alone. Sometimes you're you're feeling doubtful of your faith. We all have times like that. Um, Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta had what we found out after her death through some of her writings and her spiritual director revealed some of her struggles 50 years of what they call a dark night of the soul. What does that mean? This little nun who is so inspiring to so many people doing this beautiful, amazing work of charity, serving the poorest of the poor and always with a genuine smile on her face, such joy exuded from this little lady. And yet interiorly, she was suffering She wasn't having the consolation of feeling like God was patting her on the back all the time. She felt alone. She felt abandoned. Not so much that she abandoned her faith or truly doubted her faith. That was part of the problem. She didn't doubt it. And yet she didn't have that feeling, that consolation. She was miserable oftentimes inside and suffered greatly. I think more than we can even know, even though I've um, read a lot of what she's written about it. And it's amazing to me that this woman who has such great faith could have been feeling that way on the inside for so long. It was part of what her, her life of sacrifice was made up of. So if Mother Teresa can go through a dark night of the soul for 50 years, well, you can get you can get through this week where, you know, you're feeling spiritually dry. You can get through that period of time where you might be saying your daily prayers, um, but they're not feeling all that inspiring to you. And, you know, again, like we said, when we were talking about marriage, it's, it's about the commitment. And there are times when you're going to be more committed to the commitment than you are to God. And, um, you know, recognize that and go through those motions, fake it, keep saying the prayers, be faithful And, you know, keep following God's commandments, even when you're not feeling it, even when you don't feel like you're getting rewarded for it, even when you feel like things are going wrong. So faking it till you make it inside of your spiritual life can bear great fruit. I mean, look what it did in the life of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, of course, but you don't have to be this great famous saint in order for such a thing to exist inside of your spiritual life and to have your own triumph inside of that battle, your own faithfulness to God inside of those times where you're not feeling it, where it's not about feelings. Recognize that faith isn't about feelings and recognize that it's actually a commitment to something you know to be true. And even in those times where it doesn't feel great, remain committed that God will reward that. That's a great gift that you can give to God is that kind of a sacrifice and that kind of faithfulness inside of those times where it's hard. So not saying lie to God, (laughs) be true, be truthful, be true to yourself, be honest about what you're going through and then remain committed anyway. 
that's a, a beautiful sacrificial spiritual practice that um, I've succeeded and failed at many times inside of my life, and I'm sure will continue to. But the more I've experienced in life and um, the more different phases of life I've experienced and prayed my way through them, um, that I can I can recognize the value of remaining committed to our prayer routines and remaining committed to um, you know our life of faith, even when it's not feeling amazing. And we all do have those times of consolation, like maybe you just went to a retreat or, you know, you're able to get to daily mass and it's truly, you know, a, a beautiful spiritual practice for you that you're enjoying a lot and getting a lot of spiritual and emotional benefit out of. That's wonderful. You know, appreciate those times inside of your faith life, but also recognize that it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you uh, when the, the feelings aren't there in that same way, that we kind of go through those seasons inside of our spiritual life, the same way we go through those seasons inside of our human relationships. So recognize that and don't be afraid to fake it till you make it inside of your spiritual life. I think it's an important and valuable thing to do. Okay, the last area of your life where I want to encourage you to fake it till you make it is inside of your exercise routine. If you have one, if you don't, faking it till you make it can be a great way to start to incorporate regular exercise in your days. Because you know what? You We don't all love... <laughs> sweating. We don't all love lifting weights, doing painful things with our bodies. You know, there's a natural inclination against those kinds of things. We all have that natural kind of want to be comfortable built in. So any kind of successful exercise routine is going to require some level of faking it till you make it. And this is where habit becomes extremely useful. I find that just the, you know, the habit of when and where and how you exercise can be really valuable. And even inside of those times in my life, like today, for example, um, I, I got up, I, I shared with you that I generally exercise in the morning. I do it first thing because I don't even have to think about it. And the time is built in there. But um, there are days like today where I'll, I got up instead and I'm, I want to get this podcast in. So I'm recording this podcast. And that means if I'm going to exercise today, I'm going to have to fit it in somewhere else. And I find that um, it's really easy to put off something like exercise because of all those, you know, inclinations we have against it. And it's really helpful to kind of just fake it have this habit kind of built in, um, you know, like let's say later today, uh, in the afternoon, I'll have a little bit of time open up and think, okay, I can go for a run or I could make a cup of tea and sit down with a book, you know, which one sounds more attractive. And yes, there are times when once you're in a good exercise routine that, uh, you know, for sure I've experienced where I love to get my run in and I will leap at that opportunity and be out the door. But there are other times when I'm not feeling it and I have to fake it. And I find that just going through the motions, like I'll start to put on my running shoes, you know, I'll change into my running clothes or um, I'll, I'll get my uh, headphones and, you know, just start going through those motions even though you're not feeling it, um, and get yourself out there. It's really an effective way to um, remain committed to an exercise routine. So fake it 
<laughs> you're not going to you're not going to always feel like, oh, this is the most amazing thing. Like when your alarm clock rings and you uh, you wanted to, or you planned to exercise first thing in the morning. It's not going to feel amazing. But just, you know, go through those motions, put on the clothes, you know, get out your DVD or whatever it is you use. Get yourself to the gym, go through those motions and, and fake it until all of a sudden you're doing it. And um, you, you'll appreciate all the benefits of doing that. And like I said, even if you're not exercising at all, um, faking it is a great way to start because, you know, there's there's probably a reason why you're not exercising at all during this stage in your life. You don't like it. You're not feeling it. It doesn't feel like something that you should have to make time for in your life. Well, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be like, <laughs> you know, Susie, Susie fitness girl and be all smiles and upbeat about it. But pretend you're one of those people. Pretend you are the kind of person who enjoys going for a walk every single day, you know, start small and, and fake it. And before you know it, you know, it can become a habit and it does become something that you enjoy because that's the secret hidden inside of exercise. As much as we sometimes loathe it and, and dread it and put it off, it actually is enjoyable because it's good for us and it feels so good and it improves so many other areas of your life. You're going to feel like you have more energy. You're going to feel better about taking care of your body. Um, all of this outside of whether or not you're, you know, losing weight or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I'm talking about exercise outside of that. Um, but just fake it and, and build those habits of regular exercise with this fake <laughs> commitment, <laughs> remaining committed to the commitment, even when the feelings aren't there or beginning with a fake you know, going through the motions routine, beginning there if exercise isn't right now already a part um, of your regular routine every day. Okay, so those are the different four different areas of your life where I think it's really helpful to fake it till you make it as negative as that might sound. I think it's actually a really positive thing to practice inside of your marriage, inside of your work, inside of your spiritual life, and inside of your exercise routine. I would love to hear about how fake you are. How do you fake it till you make it? And in what areas of your life do you find that it's a useful practice? Or do you have some feedback or other thoughts about what I've shared here today? I would love to hear from you. So feel free to send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can record a voicemail right on your phone and send it to me there so that I can add your voice to a future episode of the Girlfriends podcast. You can connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes at daniellebean.com. Check it out. Click the link. Install the app. It's so fun. It turns your phone into like a walkie-talkie. It's a real simple way that you can leave voice messages for all the people in your life, but also for me here at Girlfriends. I would love to share your voice with our listeners here at Girlfriends. Hey, do you like what we do here? Do you enjoy listening to Girlfriends every week and having it available to you and to share with your friends? Well, one way that you can say thank you is by leaving a review at iTunes. So 
helpful in getting the word out about the podcast. We're always looking to grow our audience, our community of listeners here at Girlfriends. And you leaving a review at iTunes is truly a helpful way that you can say thank you and help to get the word out and grow our community here. So thank you for considering doing that. Thank you to those of you who have left reviews. If you don't happen to have an account on iTunes and you don't listen there, that's fine too. You can always share a review or a link to the podcast on social media. Just help us spread the word and grow our community of girlfriends here. Thank you so much. I want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me too to bring you the podcast every week. If you're not familiar with Ascension, you can go to ascensionpress.com and find all of their great resources for your parish, for your family, for your kids, for your community of girlfriends. They have so many wonderful resources, studies that you can do at the parish level, but also lots of free content amazing content that's available for free. There's blogs, there's video content with Father Mike Schmitz. You know you love him. And there's podcasts featuring people like Jeff Cavins and of course your very own girlfriends. So check out all that is available to you at ascensionpress.com. Danielle, my name's Catherine, and I just wanted to let you know how much I thoroughly enjoy your podcasts. Been listening for about a year, um, and I'm just really um, taken with your dedication and the awesome ideas that you have um, for how to grow in our faith. One of the things I was hoping to have you address on an upcoming episode is. Um, for older moms. So I know that there's tons of material out there for the young moms or the school age moms. I'm an older mom. I have one left in um, high school, some in college, and several um, older children who've graduated college moved out on their own, have their own careers. Um, So they moved into that season of life. And there's very little... uh, information for this group, I think, our group in particular. Um, Growing up, my family, we were pretty much the most Catholic on the block, um, teaching religious ed, participating in youth group, um, doing, you know, weekly mass, um, going to confession together, all of those things. most of the kids in our neighborhood that are also Catholic, that the kids went to religious ed through, you know, once they made their confirmation, that was pretty much it. They just sort of checked out. So the fact that we continued to go um, and made our faith a priority throughout the years, I thought we were setting the children up to carry their faith into the next season of their life. Um, Unfortunately, that has not turned out to be true. Um, There's not a hostility towards the Catholic faith, but it's sort of not um, something that they'll do on their own. They don't make time for Mass. They, um, some of them work on the weekends, and it's just they've just sort of been swallowed by the mentality of the culture. And it's kind of heartbreaking to see. I, when I talk to them about it in passing or, um, just, you know, drop them a quick note of, Oh, I heard this podcast, thought you'd be interested, whatever. I get the sense that they're so kind. Um, 
but I kind of feel like they think that this is mom's little hobby and um, that what they're doing, their choices is pretty much the way it is. And mom's just stuck in an old mindset. Um, And I never really hear anybody talking about how best to work through this. I know, you know, praying to St. Monica and entrusting them to Our Lady and all of those things are great, but I need a little more meat. Um, It's a very frustrating, sorrowful place to be, but free will is a bummer sometimes. And um, I think it would be a great opportunity to kind of talk about the things that we never envisioned would be an issue for our family. You know, it's it's not that easy. Um, it really is. It really is the cross of my season, and it's um, kind of a little heartbreaking. So, anyway, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for doing what you do, and I look forward to talking to you um, via your podcast. It's great. Bye bye. Thank you, Catherine, so much for that heartfelt, heartbreaking voicemail. I really appreciate the fact that you're listening to the podcast. I appreciate you reaching out with your question. I wish I had a magic answer for you because I, this is such a common thing that I hear about from parents, especially as their kids are growing older and going out in the world. It's a scary time when that time where our kids, the time when they're supposed to be making their faith their own It doesn't always work that way, as you've shared. And as I've heard from so many others, this is how it goes sometimes. And I know this from my own growing up in a large family that was the most Catholic on the block. Yep, we were that family. And yet still, uh, some of my siblings and I, um, you know, we needed to kind of step out a little bit and figure out the faith for ourselves. And some of us took more time to do that than others. And I, you know, for sure, I'm I'm not saying, you know, I'm not just trying to put a happy face on the whole thing. Like, it's all going to end up great. I, we don't know that. And that's part of the pain that I'm hearing you sharing, Catherine, in um, what, what you've said. Um, but I think it is helpful to know that you're not alone. Sometimes it can feel that way. Um, and, but this is a very common thing that even, you know, generations before us, we were tempted to think it's all it's all new. But, you know, you mentioned St. Monica. Well, that was a very long time ago that St. Augustine was out partying and choosing pleasures of life over the faith. And she was trying to pray him back that, you know, this sort of thing has been going on since the beginning of time. And it's, it's heartbreaking for sure. And, you know, something you never thought that you and your husband would be facing. Um, So that, that part too, I'm sure is deeply disappointing to you, but I think it helps to know that you're not alone in it and maybe join your prayers with the prayers of others who are, who are suffering similarly um, so that you you can kind of feel that solidarity there. You can feel that community of prayer inside of the church. Um, and you did mention prayer and, you know, St. Monica, um, but it might be helpful in addition to St. Monica to um, read the lives of the saints, especially those who suffered in their family relationships, because there are many of them. Um, and a, a little bit of research could reveal some to you whose lives you may not have learned about before. And it could be very inspiring to you. I know that I find that when I read read some of the messed up 
things that saints had to go through, that they suffered through, you realize these are real people who struggled in real ways, very similar sometimes to the ways in which I struggle inside of my relationships, inside of my family. Um, and, and yet they remained faithful. So that, you know, that example can be an inspiration to you, but, um, you know, let's be careful that I, and I totally understand the, yeah, I can pray, you know, and kind of roll your eyes a little bit. Um, because that feels so frustrating. We want to do, we want to do something. We want to fix it. And prayer doesn't feel like it's fixing it, but it, prayer is changing. Prayer is changing you and prayer is bringing grace into your family. So don't give up on that idea of prayer, even though I know maybe you you feel a little bit disillusioned by it or frustrated by it or not fulfilled by it, but maybe change it up a little bit. You know, in addition to reading the lives of the saints, maybe find some new saints to pray to that um, would be helpful for you and that um, maybe in particular are patrons of, you know, various family situations. Also, you might incorporate some off up in your life. Um, I shared a little bit about how this Lent, I tried to um, begin a real practice of very deliberately offering up, um, you know, both, you know, fasting and other kinds of sacrifices, and even just the occasional random, you know, pains and uh, troubles of my day for someone or some intention in particular each day. And you could do that for your kids. And it, it can make you feel like you're actually doing something concrete for your your kids' spiritual lives, for them for their sake spiritually, even though they don't appreciate it right now. It is something um, concrete that you can do in offering up for them and sacrificing things for their intentions and for the intention that they might return to practicing their faith. Um, also, you know, change your prayer maybe a little bit in rather than just praying, you know, bring them back, God, bring my kids back to the church, God, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, those are good prayers to pray to. But uh, maybe also just pray for good people to come into your children's lives. Because you know what they say, you you are the summation of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, who are your kids spending the most time with? Probably coworkers, or if they're going to school, you know, friends at school or whatever. Pray that God will send good people in their lives that will be a good influence on them. People that can bring them back to the face because you shared that, you know, you feel like they're being nice when you try to, you know, remind them of their faith and and share resources with them. But they feel like this is mom's little hobby. Well, then pray that God will put people in their lives that will show them this isn't just mom's little hobby. This is something real. This is a great gift that you've been given and you are now rejecting inside of your life. Um, so, you know, I find that that's really a helpful, empowering way for me to pray for my kids, because sometimes as moms, we want to we want to be the ones who do it right. We want to be the ones who fix everything for our kids. And I, I find it's helpful to think about Our Lady, especially at uh, the wedding at Cana, where she, Mother Mary, just put it in Jesus's hands in a very trusting way. She saw this situation and you for sure are seeing a situation. She saw a need. You are seeing a need. And she just brought it to Jesus with great trust that he was going to care for it. And then she didn't, you know, she told the servants, do whatever he tells you. She didn't go around saying, now let's use these jars and fill them up with water over here. And now he's going to work a miracle. And 
uh uh-uh, she disappeared from the story at that point. And sometimes that's the role we need to play as moms, as difficult as it is to not be the ones who are going to meet the needs of our kids. But pray for good people and finding the right people who can serve that need for your kids. Pray that that need might be filled by whoever can fill it best. Um, And then finally, I just want to encourage you to know, because I know it can feel very discouraging and um, frustrating and heartbreaking and disillusioning. And it's easy to just feel very negative about the whole thing. But no, it's this is not the end of the story. Your kids' lives are a journey and wherever they are with regard to their faith right now is truly unlikely to be where they are with regard to their faith, you know, 10 years from now. Um, Life has a way of bringing you back, Um, whether it's through hard times or starting a family of their own, you know, there are different things inside of our lives that tend to bring us back to our roots, back to our faith. And so keep Keep that hope alive that this foundation that you and your husband have generously and beautifully given to your kids, this foundation of faith. What a great gift you've given to your kids inside of your family life. Don't spend time second guessing, you know, thinking, oh, we shouldn't have signed up for that CCD program. It's not like that. And there's no point in, you know, beating yourself up for for that time you were too tired to say night prayers or whatever. You know, don't don't spend time doing that. I'm hearing a little bit of that in what you've shared, Catherine, and uh, that's a fruitless exercise. But know that this is not the end of the story. I've seen it so many times. I've seen it in the lives of people very close to me that I love very much who've gone astray, sometimes for a good long time. But they do come back if they've been given that foundation of faith. And I'm not saying there are any guarantees. Of course, there aren't. But I've seen that happen enough times that you should not lose hope. And you should know this is not the end of the story for them, that this is a stage they're going through right now, perhaps a stupid, selfish, immature stage. But that's what it is. And, um, you know, recognize that this isn't the end of the story and recognize the value of the foundation of faith that you and your husband have given them as they were growing up inside of your family life. If anyone else has thoughts they want to share with Catherine or share some of your own experiences, um, please send me an email, danielle at daniellebeam.com or do like Catherine did, just record your voice on your phone and send it to me by email. I would be so happy to share your perspective on a future episode of Girlfriends. Thank you, Catherine. I have more feedback, but I think I'm going to share it next week. I'm going to save it for next week's show because I want to give it the time that it deserves. So that's all I'm going to share for this week. I want to thank you, though, for being here. Thank you for connecting with me in this way. It means so much to me that you're listening, that you're taking this in and all the ways that you respond are also meaningful. But I also just appreciate your presence here. Thank you for connecting with me in this way every week. Thank you for your presence here. It truly is a gift to me. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy. Bye.